This is Building Grit, One Call at a Time. In this podcast, I take my experiences that I've had and use those to show you how I've built grit. And occasionally, I have a guest on to share their story and let you know how they've built grit. And today, I am super excited to introduce to you my wife, Desiree Wingo. Hello, love. Say hi to our listeners. Hi. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good. So this episode, I wanted to just get into the difficulties that a marriage has with family that has a firefighter that's gone for 48 hours at a time. And so what people don't realize about my profession is that I leave for two days and the pulse of our house, which is ridiculously fast and loud, continues to happen while I'm gone. And I have to leave the fort with my wife and she holds it down. And so I just want to talk about some of the things that happen and some of the difficulties that she's presented with when I'm gone. And so Desi, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what it's like to have to take on all of the burden of the home and the being both parents, dealing with chores, dealing with kids. Let's start out with just the kids. What is it like to have me be gone with no dad to put the law down. Well, I think the most interesting dynamic of it is we play different roles with the kids, right? So the kids are used to how we balance that. So they're used to good cop, bad cop, your approach, my approach, how we balance things out. And so I think that's the hardest part is trying to play both roles when you're gone and then just working with the flexibility of taking them to where they need to be, keeping up with work, the prep and stuff, of course, on the front end. But I think the good cop, bad cop, and the the roles we play to balance each other out with our strengths and weaknesses is, I think, the thing that's hardest for me. Well, and by all intents and purposes, you kind of become a single parent, right? So you have this compassion for people who are single parents because even though you're not single and you're not doing it on your own, there are 48 hours, sometimes 72 hours of time that you do do it on your own. And so you become this single parent. And often work is so busy, especially the station I'm at right now, that you don't even have the opportunity for me to get on the, the phone with you or with the kids, or when I do, it's so abrupt and short that there's not time to talk about like, hey, I'm struggling with this with the kids. Can you interject? Can you help me? Absolutely. It's so funny that you said that because I never even really thought about how I have such a tender spot in my heart, particularly for single moms. And I bet you that that is a large reason why, because I see what it's like for those three days or when you used to do the wild and fires um, and you were gone for two weeks. You know, I I see what it's like. to Or when I was gone in Uganda doing a medical mission for 14 days. Yes. You know, I remember how excited I was was to be dating a fireman when I first met you. And I had no idea like what it would be like sleeping in bed. Well, once you get married, you know, and all that stuff. But like, I didn't think about sleeping in bed alone a couple nights in a row, like missing, you know, hold on, hold on. my let's, person. Hold on. You may have slept alone for a while, but let's be honest. When dad's away, the kids for sure jump in the bed. So true. Oh, very true. Even just last shift you worked. They both ended up in bed with me. (laughs) So I have a rule that there is no children in the bed when dad's home. But guess what? Dad's not home all the time. So I can't have the rules that the kids are not in the bed when I'm not here because it's not fair to to them. It's not fair to, to my wife. 
True. I think the funny part about that, though, is that kind of built a special bond. So we were talking about the bad, you know, the harder challenges with you being gone. But I, I, I bet you that's part of the reason why I like tucking the kids in at night. So to give more background to you guys on that, Nick always jokes around that bedtime is a whole process, an hour process for us, because I want to do all the things. I want to read them a bedtime story and talk about their day and pray over them. And then Owen always wants me to scratch his back and draw pictures on his back. And he's so funny now he's like no mom you got to add in the detail you got to draw like the grass and you got to erase it and but it's became like our thing and our time and i bet you that's why Hmm. and so just to remind you this is not a podcast where your kids should be listening i want my wife to come get in bed with me so i can snuggle her and touch her and she is wanting to have this interaction with the kids and all i want is to have this bonding moment with her right and so we have this like point of contention. I'm not wrong. She's not wrong. However, we still have this little point of contention. And so we have to maneuver through that because that's something that's become very important to her, you know, and then it's, there's things that are also important to me. So it adds this whole nother layer of how do we handle the nights where I'm home compared to the nights where I'm gone, because it's a constant change. There's always different going on, right? Which I think is really hard on the kids often because they have me here and they know like what the rules are with me. But then let's be honest, the rules with you and the rules with me are completely different. Not completely different, but there's definitely different boundaries. And there's different triggers and different hot buttons. So the things they know that upset you versus what upsets me, you're right. That's definitely an adjustment on them. Right. So and, and that goes to like it goes to our kids, too. And I can't wait to uh, do an episode. I'll do a, I promise it'll be a G rated episode with them just to talk to them about what their feelings are uh, when I'm gone how it feels for them for me to be gone for two days at a time, because it definitely affects them. They know, they get sad. It's that whole interaction in the morning of, do I wake them up before I leave at six in the morning? Because they are not morning kids at all. They get very angry when you wake them up in the morning. And so I don't want to wake them up and kiss them goodbye, because I don't want Desiree to have to deal with the repercussions of grumpy kids. However, it's hard because let's be real. My job is one that I may not come back. And so the reality is, and the fact is, I've lost brothers in the fire service. I've lost people on duty that have died, right? So that's the reality. What we have to do is we have to maneuver through that. And we have to know what the reality is. We really never know what could happen or what that day could bring. Because the reality is, is that generally 100 firefighters die a year on the job. It's just the facts. And so it's this really difficult thing to maneuver through. Absolutely. I I try not to focus on that. It's something where I try to just focus on, you know, the good in the moment and not get caught up in the what ifs and what could happen. But especially right now with the coronavirus and where things are at and some of the stories I hear from Nick, like, it's really hard to know that your spouse is in a position where people are doing crazy things. And I don't know if you've gotten into some of the things that you've experienced recently with that. But when he tells those stories, it's hard not to get anxiety and have your heart start beating and, you know, all the directions that that goes with that. So what she's talking about is uh, recently we have encountered uh, on several occasions, two in specific, where people have pulled knives on us. And here's the thing is that with the defund the police, the with all the stuff going on, we don't 
really have the protection from the police officers as much as we used to. They are taking a stance of a lot more standing away, whereas before they would jump in, really pat these patients down, make sure they didn't have any weapons, make sure we weren't in a position where we would get ourselves into a predicament. And for example, we were in a vehicle the other day and a younger individual who was suicidal pulled a knife out and started to raise it up towards my partner. And so my partner grabbed his hand and then I slid in and slid in right behind him and we removed the knife from his hand. But, you know, coming home and talking to Desiree about that, it's like she's saying, it can be difficult for her to just be in the space of like, hey, you know, there's these bad things that are happening. So that's the reality we live in right now. That's the space that we're in. That's what we have going on. And we have to maneuver through that as a couple. And it's it's hard for Desiree. It's a difficult space to be in. You know, I think part of it that's hard too is I've always grown up in an environment where I empathize with people and I try to put myself in their situation. And it's really hard for me to put myself in your situation and be able to handle things and react the way that you react in those situations. So I get really emotional and really caught up in what's going on because part of me feels for that person. And then the other part of me, you know, wants to react. And I don't know that I could stay cool and stay calm. And I get so emotionally invested and I think about it and I, you know, I think about it the next day and the next day where maybe you can blow it off. But that's like in the back of my mind because I do feel so deeply and I am such a emotional person. Mm, I'm so glad that you bring that up because that I, I want to talk about when we were young and married, just newly married, no kids. And, you know, it's just recently, I want you guys to understand within the past, what do you say, a couple of years, two years maybe? Yeah. That I really started talking to Desiree about work. And we went through a phase where I just didn't talk about it. And the reason I didn't talk about it was that reason exactly, is that Desiree is a very compassionate person and she is an she's an empathizer. So she puts herself in that situation and she struggles to separate from that. And so the few times that I had talked to her about stuff about work, she is a question. She wants to know the details. She likes to know all the messy stuff. And in my position, I don't want to talk about all the messy stuff because it's difficult to talk about sometimes. I don't want to talk about the dead kid that I held in my hands. I don't want to talk about the blood hurtling scream of the mother of the child who just died. I don't want to talk about those things. You know, I don't want to talk about the time that I saw a dad hold his teenage daughter for the last time. You know, those are all the really hard things to talk about. And so when we were first married and I would talk to Desiree about stuff and she would ask all these questions, I would get defensive and then they would lead to fights. Absolutely. I think that's part of how I'm wired is I am such an analyzer and I always want to learn. And to me, that's showing that I understand. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine what that was like. Like to me, asking questions is like showing that you're engaged and you're learning and you're letting that person get it off their chest. And I think for you, it was you reliving that experience. And I think the other part of that that we haven't got into yet is I remember that one call you came home and because 
we never talked about it. Like you just kept it all in at this point in our marriage. I had no idea what your shift was like. I didn't realize the calls that you were on. And I had asked you something and you were so grouchy back to me and short. And of course I took it personal and I got upset and you're like, okay, you wanna know what my day's like? I just had to deal with a child that was ran over by their parents. And you just broke down and I felt so small and Again, the same, the only thing I could think of was, oh my gosh, like I can't even imagine processing that or going through each day, carrying that on my shoulders, what that's like to literally just be coming off of a shift, dealing with the parents and being in that situation. And then having somebody question me about my shift and feeling like I have to relive it again, it gave me a whole new perspective to ask about your shift. And that was a huge eye-opening moment for me. And I want you guys to know, like, this is all new stuff to us. We haven't talked about this stuff. Uh, You know, we haven't talked to anybody about this stuff. So you guys are getting, and we haven't even talked about how we were going to talk about this. So this is like real and raw moments right now that we're having together. And I mean, we've been married for 13 years now. That's a long time. That's a long time to be married. Like we've gone through some stuff. And it's so funny because I tried to get him to tell me as we were, before we were doing this, I'm like, what are the questions? What are you going to ask me? But no, I couldn't get anything. Well, and the reason B is because I want that raw, real response. And here's the problem with my wife. I love her to death. However, here's the thing. If I give her the questions, here's what she's going to do. She's going to analyze them and she's going to have to come up, try to come up with the perfect answer. And you guys would not get the raw, real truth from her. You would get the perfection kind of watered down question answers. And so this is why this has to be a obviously planned out questioning on my part. However, not given to my wife. So she has the ability to answer the questions. Absolutely. That's very true. So anyways, I want to get back into that. The whole idea of like, you know, when... So I come home. Here was my part of my problem is that I never was just open and honest and said, hey, I had a bad day at work and I need some sleep. And again, all these things that we started talking about were within the last couple of years. I mean, two to three years tops. And I realized that I need to come home and say, hey, my shift sucked. I'm grumpy. I've had a bad couple of days. I had some really bad shit happen. And I need you to give me some space and I need you to give me some time to rest. And when I started doing that, I would say there was a huge improvement in our relationship. Would you agree? Absolutely. It came to the point where when you first got home or as you called me as you were getting off shift, our, my first questions were, did you get sleep? How was your shift? And so I learned that that gave me an idea of what I needed to prepare going into that day. Because for me, it's almost harder that first day he comes home than it is the first day that he leaves because I'm worn out. I'm exhausted for, you know, being with the kids a couple days in a row. And I don't know what I'm going to get, you know, when he comes back, what type of calls he's been with, what type of things he's carrying, or if he's going to need to sleep the whole day. So if it's really like, which he never sleeps the whole day, but there's times that he really should be sleeping the whole day and being sleep deprived is almost just as bad. I don't know how he functions on the little amount of sleep that he does, but I would say that first day back is the hardest for me to work through emotionally. And I love that you bring that up because what people need to understand and you guys need to understand while you're listening to this is that 48 hours with our kids 
who are eight and six, I spend 48 hours with them and I want to choke them, right? I want to just strangle them. And God bless them. They are such good kids. They really are. They're just super active. We've been quarantined. They're losing their minds. They want to just be with friends. They want to be at the pool. They're devastated that we didn't get to go to Mexico. They want to be on the beach. They want to be doing all the things, and they can't do those things. And so they're in this really difficult space. And so we are trying to give them some grace, too, because, yes, they are driving us crazy, but come on. It's not their fault, necessarily. They're in a really difficult predicament. And they're in a predicament where they have a dad who is grumpy as shit sometimes when I come home. Because that's a whole other dynamic, too, with what your environment is like now with all the material and the guidelines and the PPE and everything to that nature that you guys are required to comply with. So now your interactions with the public, being on calls, people flipping you off now when you guys are used to being seen as the heroes with like you were talking about, people pulling the knife on you, you are now working through a completely different dynamic than you were before. And whatever station you're in makes a difference as well. You know, if you are in a, in a part of town that isn't as high demand as the area that you're in right now. So I think, you know, that makes a difference too. Absolutely. And so just so you guys have a little reference, I'm working uh, our busiest station on our busiest medic unit, being a medic on the medic unit. And so, you know, for example, a couple shifts ago, there was a 28-hour period where we ran 22 calls. Figure when you're on the medic unit, you're looking at like 45 minutes a call by the time you get up to the hospital, by the time you uh, get back to the station. So for reference, like that's pretty much at the station, go to the hospital, get back to the station, back out on another call. So yeah, I'm busy. I'm in a position where things are very different than they used to be. It is a little bit more stressful with the PPE. It is a little more stressful. You know, the biggest thing, it's not the PPE. I can deal with the PPE. It's not a big deal to me. I don't really care. I'll wear a mask. They're paying me. I will wear a mask. It's not a big deal to me. The thing that's a big deal to me is the public interaction that's changing. The people that will not pull over for us anymore when we're driving emergently. The people who are flipping us off. The people who are yelling at us. That's the transition that's difficult to handle. I almost feel like I'm getting a little taste of what it feels like to be a cop now, which nobody wants to be a freaking cop. That job sucks. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're in such an interesting time. But anyways, what are some of the other things that you feel like are the biggest obstacles that you have to overcome being married to someone who has a job where there is this constant stress, this constant, the mental aspect of it? Because let's be honest, my mentality and the things that, and the things I've had to deal with, you know, I've had to do a lot of counseling. I've had a lot of things that are tough things to work through. I see a lot of death. I deal with a lot of hard truths. Yeah. So the biggest opportunity I think for me to work through has changed depending upon where we were at in our relationship and what was going on. When we first started, it was bummed that you were missing the holidays or working the inopportune moments and, you know, trying to pivot and, and work with that and celebrating different days and, 
as we've gotten further along um, in our marriage and where we're at right now, I've learned to pivot more. So it's not so much that as it's the mindset and the mental and asking the right questions and understanding where you're coming from. Because early on, I didn't even think to ask the questions or know where you were coming from or look at it from a perspective that's different from mine. So I think the mental aspect for sure. Mm. You said something that really, I think that we need to speak on and have people understand is the fact that I miss out on a lot of holidays, birthdays, events. And that's been a point of contention sometimes. There's been a few times where it's been a problem for us because you have something that you really want to do and I just can't get the time off for it. Right. And so that's definitely been a problem that we've had in the past. Or just a pivotal moment with the kids, like they ha- end up having a bully battle or something and you end up watching it recorded, but it's not the same as having dad there. Or, I mean, the planned events are easier because normally you can get a trade or request the time off. But sometimes there's those things that drop in that are kind of pivotal moments that I think kids remember. And I think those have impacted you, I think, more so than me on that aspect. But yeah, absolutely. When we were earlier, earlier on, it was, I had a really hard time with you working holidays and us celebrating Christmas at the firehouse or Thanksgiving, you know, there versus family traditions. And so it took some adjustment for sure. Absolutely. Um, You know, and so being in a fire family, there are things that are missed and it's hard on both ends. It's hard for me not to be home. Prime example, Santa Claus, our kids, not so much anymore. Annalise came to Desiree this last week and told her that she's been lying and she was busted. Whole other story, super funny. So we've gotten through that, but we would do things like we would do Christmas on not Christmas. You know, we would celebrate Christmas and the kids knew no different. They just know that, hey, it's a celebration when they were younger, as they're getting older, it's harder though, because they know the days now. So there's no fooling them. There's no, they know when Christmas day is, they know when Thanksgiving day is, they know the dates now. So there's no more, Hey, let's celebrate on the day. That's not the day. Or even Thanksgiving when we would go have Thanksgiving and you guys would get busy and you would get a call and maybe you were new to a shift and I didn't know the family so well or whatever. And I'm more of an introvert. Nick's definitely more of an extrovert. But me being at the firehouse with a bunch of people that I don't necessarily know while Nick's out on calls and there's dinner sitting there like... I am maturing in my mindset and where I'm at as a person now, so it's easier. But when I was younger, that stuff, it paralyzed me. I froze. I got anxiety. I wouldn't know what to say. I would worry about what to say. But sitting at the firehouse while they're out on a call and dinner's there, like it wasn't the same. And then I would get like turned off for the day. I'd let that moment like turn me off, you know? Mm, Yeah. And so we have had several holidays in what she's speaking about is that we've had several holiday meals in the fire station and work is still happening. And so just because we're having a meal doesn't mean that 911 stops. So here Desiree is with all these other families that she doesn't know well for a Christmas dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner or something like that. And she's forced into this situation where she has to sit and wait for me to come back from a call. And there were a couple of times where I was gone almost the whole time. 
And that's not to say these aren't amazing people. Like I have now gained a whole nother family. But when you're an introvert or you're put in an uncomfortable position, if you're not in the right mindset in that position, it is more of a drainer to your day when you're like excited for something else. So now I can look back and see the growth and see how I've added a whole nother family and have these amazing friends now. But in the moment, that wasn't what I saw. Right. Definitely something that's hard to work through. Well, is there anything else that you feel like has really been super difficult to work through as a as a wife of a firefighter? Is there something that just really stands out to you that you feel like of all of it, this is the one thing that really I struggle with? I don't know if it is relative to all firefighters or people in our position or if it's just personality specific, Uh, but I think the biggest thing is understanding a lot of how you operate and how you make decisions, I feel like is tied so much to your job. Like you are in positions all the time where you have to make a decision under pressure and you have to make that decision and it's life or death and you got to trust your gut and you got to go with it and you are in high stress situations all the time. And so I think like the situations and the skills that you are doing on the day-to-day basis impacts how you are outside of work. So sometimes I may look at it like he didn't even consult me first with this decision and It's not the intent that you didn't mean to not consult me with something, which you're normally really good with, by the way. But like in those moments, I think it's the fact that that's the habit. You're used to processing things that way. Or if something happens, like when the kids get sick, I tend to be like, well, let's give them time to, you know, work through this. They're okay. It's just a temperature. And your mind goes to worst case situations because of what you see. And you can't help but go there because of that. And so I think the hardest part is, and I think it's any relationship, I don't know that it's just the fire department, is really trying to take a step back and realize the other person's point of view and why they are the way they are. Mm, It's so good that you bring that up. And I didn't even really think about this until we started having this conversation of like, we struggle to meet each other's in each other's spaces often. And that ends up being one of our biggest things we have to work through in our marriage is me meeting you in your space and you meeting me in my space. That is a huge struggle for us. It's a huge struggle for us to understand, for me to understand where you're coming from and for you to understand where I'm coming from. And I think it's such a good thing that you bring up is that the situations that I'm in, I do have to be quick and abrupt. And where you're at in your space is you want to talk about stuff. You want to talk about the decision. You want to make the decision together. You don't want it to be this abrupt, make a decision now. You want to to be a collaboration and I just want to make a decision. Yes, exactly. You know what? I that I'm glad you brought that up too cuz I didn't even think about my job tying into mine, but my current role is as a property manager and my position is to facilitate meetings where I am getting everybody's point of view. I am gathering all the information, I'm presenting it, and then the board is taking out all factors into consideration before they have they make a decision. And it is normally a draw out process. Some meet monthly, some meet quarterly, but that's my day-to-day that I'm gathering all this information for them to review and analyze. And and so I didn't realize how relative that was to me. Mm, yeah. So, hey, we're, we're having a breakthrough moment. We're looking deeply in each other's eyes while we're having this breakthrough moment. So this podcast is really good. So 
you know, but this is what it, it's all about. I want to show you that we're raw and real and I'm real and we have real problems and real problems lead to real grit. And that's how we get great. That's how we build the grit. That's how we build the things inside of us is working through the shit, muddling through it. Even though it might be deep shit, it's okay. That's how you build the grit. That's how you get through it, right? And so this has been really good for me tonight uh, just to really touch base with you and just see some of the things. And I'm so glad that I didn't give you the opportunity to look at the questions because I feel like I got the real raw you and I really appreciate you coming real and raw tonight because it is hard for you to open up. It's hard for you to be vulnerable. And so I'm so appreciative that you did this. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I enjoyed it. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. This is definitely not the last conversation I will be having with my wife on this podcast. There will be more to come uh, in the future. So be standing by for that. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. And with that, we'll talk to you guys again soon. This has been another episode of Building Grit, One Call at a Time. I appreciate you tuning in. You can find me on Instagram at building underscore grit. Please make sure to leave me some comments and let me know if there's any content you want to hear. Thanks. I love-